Welcome to the Women Changing the World podcast, a podcast on a mission to bring you some of the most amazing women I know who are doing incredible things to generally make the world a better place. From corporate sustainability to straight up magic and everything in between, you'll meet the real life humans who are birthing the new. I'm your host, Liz Vest, and I'm here to amplify the stories and voices of women who are changing the world. Hello, um, welcome to a fun twist episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. Uh, I am so excited today to be sitting down with one of my best friends, my intellectual soulmate, Taylor Orr, um, who's actually going to interview me for this episode of the podcast. Um, I felt like if I was going to be asking all these amazing women all these questions, I should also be willing to hop in the hot seat. And that's what today's episode is all about. Um, So maybe before we jump in and I pass it over to Taylor, um, Taylor, would you be willing to introduce yourself briefly? Absolutely. Hi, everyone. My name is Taylor Orr. And as Liz mentioned, Liz and I are intellectual soulmates. We met in college at UC Santa Barbara. And in addition to our writing minor where we met, we also realized that we had a lot of the same interests in international relations and not to mention um, wine drinking. So (laughs) excited to be interviewing Liz today. I currently work in human resources at a tech company. Um, And I moved to Seattle late last year, um, but am hoping to relocate back to the Bay Area sometime in the near future. So excited to be uh, chatting with Liz today and um, let's kick it off. So Liz, could you just give a little bit of background about yourself? How did you get to where you are today? Absolutely. Um, Well, I will give you the brief version and we can totally go into the longer version uh, later. Um, Let's see. uh, I'm like, how far do I take it back? So I graduated along with Taylor at the kind of the worst time ever to graduate college back in 2009. Um, There were basically zero full-time jobs available to people who did not have master's degrees or connections, and I had neither. Um, So I spent a year in Santa Barbara working uh, many jobs, uh, one of which, as Taylor mentioned, we were pouring wine together briefly. Um, Also worked in public policy journalism, uh, social media marketing, and as an SAT verbal tutor. And uh, it was, as much as I loved journalism, it was becoming clear to me that uh, it was not likely that I was going to land a journalism job that would give me health benefits, which was something I really needed, um, or a full-time salary. So I decided to go back to grad school. And um, when I did, my first quarter at UC San Diego uh, was where I first learned about the impact space or the corporate social responsibility space, as it was called at the time. Uh, Hannah Jones from Nike came and spoke at my program. And when she described what she did, I was like, oh, my God, I want to be you when I grow up. Um, But at the time, it was not easy to get into this space. I think I applied to like, oh, my gosh, at least 20, if not more, internships and heard nothing back. Uh, And so I kind of reconfigured my approach to focus on applying places where alumni of my program were looking for interns uh, and landed in the government affairs department of Qualcomm. And uh, 
let's see. So I, I got there to do public policy work. I was super excited to be there. It wasn't exactly CSR, but it was like pretty close to CSR. And um, I like really just was kind of obsessed with the amount of impact I felt like I could have working at um, a big multinational corporation. I kind of thought that I may realize it wasn't for me, but I absolutely loved it. And so, um, you know, I was asked to stay on for my second year of school. I was given a full-time offer when I graduated, which was amazing. Uh, And then basically interviewed people um, as to how they got full-time sustainability roles, because I still knew that that was what I really wanted to do. And people kept telling me that they just basically volunteered their way into them. Um, So without getting into all the details, I put my hand up for basically everything (laughs) until eventually um, I was able to make sustainability my full-time job. Um, And then I stayed there until 2017. I was there for six years. And at that point, I, there were a lot of things that happened. Um, Saturn returned, Donald Trump got elected, (laughs) (laughs) many things um, and decided it was time for me to make the move that I'd been thinking about for a long time and come up to the Bay Area be reunited with Taylor, but also <laughs> because um, I had just really been wanting to live in San Francisco for a long time. So I bought a one-way plane ticket to Italy so that I could take a, an around-the-world trip on my way here um, and landed at an organization called BSR initially as their editor-in-chief. And I still remember calling you, Taylor, and being like, oh, my God, I'm going to be an (laughs) (laughs) editor-in-chief, which, like, for professional editing minors, is a big deal. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I was at BSR for a couple of years. I I moved over from the communications team to the consulting team to lead the reporting practice, um, given my ESG reporting background. Uh, That was amazing. Um, And I wasn't necessarily looking to leave, but I was on a plane gosh, like every week of the beginning of 2019, which feels like a distant dream now. And um, was approached by Jewel to be their director of social impact. And honestly, initially I took the call because I do stand-up comedy and I thought it would be good material. Um, But I became really persuaded that there was huge potential for a positive public health impact if we could get rid of combustible cigarettes. Um, So I took the leap, I joined, uh, and the timing honestly just could not have been worse (laughs) for so many reasons. Um, And so came out the other side of that experience at the end of 2019 and really did some soul searching to figure out like what I was supposed to be doing on this planet. Like was I, was my next move to go back in house and try to build a program from scratch, which was something I'd really been wanting to do. Um, Or was it to start this business that I'd been thinking about for as long as I can remember um, working with women in the impact space uh, and really helping fight things like burnout and impact crises and just helping women like overall live the lives of their wildest dreams. And I kind of looked for signs because I do that. Uh, I'm having to talk more about that. And all the signs pointed to really like that now was the time. And so six weeks before COVID, I founded my business. <laughs> I, I ran around like a crazy person in San Francisco, like taking meetings. And uh, then obviously everything locked down with the pandemic. And so I have spent the last 18 months really, um, you know, building an almost exclusively virtual 
company um, working with women in the impact space um, and doing ESG strategy consulting, uh, which has been a wild ride um, and honestly, probably one of the best things I've ever done. That's amazing. Thank you for that overview. I feel like so many of us who graduated uh, around 2009 when we did have a very uh, meandering uh, career journey that might be very different from people who graduated not during a financial recession. Um, what drew you to CSR in the first place and what kept has kept you in the field? Such a good question. I mean, I think for me, you know, the impact that companies can have on um, major global issues. So, I mean, I think honestly, my entry point was really climate change. Um, and just looking at like, when you look at, for example, like greenhouse gas emissions, like, yes, those are mostly calculated on a country to country basis. But who is responsible for the actual emissions in many cases are companies, not countries. I mean, granted, the companies are like contributing to GDP and doing a lot of like other, you know, positive economic things. But um, I was just really struck by the idea of like, wow, well, if all of these companies like made the decision that they were going to run entirely on renewable energy, like that would be a huge contributor. It would certainly not solve everything by any stretch of the imagination, but it would be a huge contributor to the climate, to climate solutions um, or a climate solution at a global scale. And I think that's true really across the board. Like if you think about something like human rights, like if companies were truly committed to and really taking the steps that they need to take to protect and respect human rights, not only in their direct operations, but throughout their supply chains and value chains, um, you know, I think we'd be living in a very different world as it relates to human rights and human trafficking. Um, and, and when you think about some of these products, like, you know, I'll use Qualcomm as an example, but it's not just Qualcomm, like billions of people on the planet have phones in their hands that have technology from, you know, many companies. Um, if you are working on corporate social responsibility at those companies, like in theory, depending on what you're working on, that change um, that you're working on, it could be in the hands of literally billions of people. So I think for me, it was always really, I was really drawn to the scale and I was really drawn to how quickly companies have the ability to act, whereas like that's not always necessarily true when it comes to public policy, things move a lot more slowly. Um, so really like the potential for fast and meaningful action at scale um, is what drew me to the corporate side of CSR. And your, so your current business really focuses on, you really work with coaching women on, um, on their careers and in the impact space, what what has what made you focus on um, women as your main clients versus the entire population? Great question. I mean, honestly, I have so much to say on this topic. Like, I just I grew up in a family of four women. Actually, um, you know, most of my life was my me, my mom, and my two sisters. Um, and so I feel like I had like girl power ingrained, uh, from a very <laughs> early age. <laughs> and, um, and I am just so impressed by, I know so many amazing women doing so many amazing things. Um, and it really struck me, uh, honestly, you know, I was always going to focus on women in my business, but I think my why really hit me when I 
started studying a little bit of um, tantric philosophy, which like I know people hear tantra and they think sex. That's like not, I mean, that's like a teeny, 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 tiny part of the overall like line of yoga and philosophy. Um, And it's all about like, you know, venerating or revering the divine feminine. Um, And there are a lot of thoughts on like, binaries, you know, being false. And I'm like, totally here, like for a non-binary world. Um, And what I will say is like, I think the world that we have lived in up until this point has, I mean, like for most of modern society is like a masculine world. It's the patriarchy. It's like how things have gotten done. And I would argue it's how we got into a lot of this mess. (laughs) You know, we are, we are facing this like climate catastrophe. We are facing all of these public health crises. Um, We are facing so many challenges to like women's rights in this country and around the world right now. And, um, and I think that it is like the masculine style of leadership um, that has like resulted in the place that we're currently in. And when you look at like what feminine leadership is, what feminine leadership can be, um, my experiences of feminine leadership, it is so compassionate. It is so generous. Like there are so many statistics on how like when women make more money, like the the benefits to society are so immense. Like it's insane. Um, and so I, and I really feel like if we're going to like think our way out of the situation that we're currently in, I think it was, I may be misquoting this, but I think it was Einstein who said that like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. (laughs) I really, I really think that like in order to get out of the situation that we're in, we need a new style of leadership. And I really see feminine leadership as the answer to a lot of the challenges that are facing society right now. And so like, I feel like that's who I want to serve. Yep, absolutely. I mean, it's really funny to me when people criticize female leaders for being too emotional and that they would never be able to lead because of their emotions. But then we look at the last, you know, several decades of male leadership and how their (laughs) emotions have uh, negatively impacted the rest of us um, and how that reverberates for generations. Um, So I totally, totally understand that. Um, I know that you've been, as you know, as your good friend who talks to you very often, I know that you've been kind of living a digital nomad life, traveling to various different locations while continuing to work on your business. What has that been like, both just getting your business off the ground and then just like the day-to-day um, working routine when you don't maybe have an established routine in your various different locations? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, it has quite literally been a journey. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, part of the past 13 or so months um, has been that my partner and I have lived in eight different cities in 13 months, which has, again, been a journey. Um, so, I mean, I, I think some of the things that I've realized in this process, and Taylor, I know you've heard me talk about a lot of these, but um, like really figuring out how to create um, like different kind of touch points and consistency, even when like my surroundings are not consistent. <laughs> so, um, so coming up with a morning routine that works, I mean, I've honestly had to come up with a slightly different version of my morning routine in every new place that we've lived, um, which is 
is an interesting thing to experience, but it's like there's always like just slight variations. Um, I have an office box that all of my office things go in. And I think from, from like very early on, it was like, okay, like what are just like the straight up things <laughs> that I need in order to do this? So like, you know, a laptop stand, keypad, a mouse, like just some of those things that like, you know, you may, may not initially, when you think about going on a business trip, you probably wouldn't travel with those things. But when you're thinking about moving your whole office around, <laughs> they are, they're important to have. Um, I have like, you know, many, many, many post-its because I am, I use post-its like a crazy person. I'm staring at many of them right now. Um, what else? I mean, really like figuring out, I think, how to, how to make this all kind of work around, um, how to make this work around like both work and my life. So uh, I really advocate, even though it kind of sucks, um, but especially since my partner is working more of a traditional like nine to five, like working, uh, moving on the weekends has been helpful. So just giving myself like, you know, the end of the day, Friday to pack. And then like, if we have to get in the car and drive, we do it on Saturday. And then we have time to kind of like land and arrive before we start work the following week. That's been really helpful. Um, and I think honestly, it's been like such a lesson in boundaries too. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, it's been really helpful for me as an early entrepreneur that everywhere we've been, we are only there for max seven weeks. And so the temptation to work all the time, which is like a pretty real thing. I think if you talk to people who are starting businesses, like that's, you know, you hear that quite a bit. Um, it's definitely there. I definitely get it. It has definitely been easier to succumb to in some locations as opposed to others. But like, for example, we were living in New Orleans um, in the spring and it was just like, you know, everything was like a couple hours, like you, you kind of like can take the time difference either way, right? Like on the one hand, it was nice to always feel quote unquote ahead. And then on the other hand, I, you know, I was still leading events and stuff on West Coast hours. So working kind of like later into the evenings, a couple days a week. And I, you know, I think I just had to be really intentional of like, okay, I'm not going to work like around the clock through this experience of being in New Orleans, like on the nights that I'm working, like those are the nights that I'm working. I need to take some time during the day to explore and to enjoy this. And on the nights that I'm off, I need to be off. I cannot be just sitting in front of my laptop just to sit in front of my laptop because we're here and there's a finite amount of time that we're here. Um, and I need to drink all the slushies and daiquiris and I need to eat all the things. <laughs> <laughs> so um, really like holding myself accountable for actually closing my laptop. Um, I think it, it was really helpful in, in that way. Totally. You have to like create boundaries for yourself and then actually uphold them to make sure that you're staying happy, happy, healthy, and actually productive uh, in a meaningful way. Right. Totally. Totally. And honestly too, I really had to like, and I think this comes with entrepreneurship, whether you're doing the digital nomad thing or not, but I really had to create like some like consistency for myself. So I joined a, a, over the course of the past year and a half, like, you know, many different like kind of programs and communities, but to really have some like standing meetings with people and like have people that I was seeing consistently in addition to my clients. Um, but really just creating some structure because it can be kind of overwhelming to have zero structure. Absolutely. The pandemic, I'm sure, helped facilitate this digital nomad life. 
um, with both giving you the opportunity to start this business and be able to work from anywhere. And then also with your partner being able to do the same thing. What has your experience been like during the pandemic? What have your like roses and thorns been from the last year and a half? Mm, I love the rose thorn question. Um, Let's see. I mean, honestly, it's been interesting, right? Because this has been such an awful year and a half on so many levels um, for so many people. And I think we're all, you know, suffering some low grade or not low grade at all trauma and grief um, from just everything. Um, And I also have to hold that like two of the things that I had really, really wanted for a really long time both happened in 2020, which are that I did start this business that I'd been dreaming about. Um, And I met my partner, which we have kind of a crazy COVID love story. Um, He, we were actually on our second date the night before San Francisco lockdown, as you know, Taylor. Uh, And he asked me to quarantine with him. And I was like, why do you like me so much? And he gave me some very good (laughs) reasons. Um, And we've been together like every day (laughs) since, which has been wild um, as someone who uh, dated up a storm in my 20s and early 30s um, and very much wanted to like meet someone and fall in love. If you had told me it would have happened like this, I would have been like, what are you smoking? I never, uh, for so many reasons, never would have imagined that it would have happened like this. So obviously that, that has been such a treat. And like, it's so crazy. Like we still haven't been to a movie together. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) Just like the most basic, like normal couple first date type activity. Totally. Like, I think my first quote unquote date, like back in high school, probably was like going to a movie, but we still haven't had that first date. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, that's been amazing. And then getting to, I I just like, I absolutely love what I do. And I work with the coolest women. And I think if, um, if everything had not changed, I would have built a very San Francisco focused business, which I think is great. Like a lot of the women I work with have some connection to the Bay Area. Um, But I also would have missed out on working with so many rad people who don't live in the Bay Area, who live in Illinois or um, South Korea or Mexico City or (laughs) I mean, I could go on, but it has been um, it has been such a treat to get to not only like work one on one with really cool women all over the place, um, but also facilitate um, community for people and facilitate gatherings and events online uh, in a way that, you know, I hadn't really fully experienced or led before, um, before 2020. Um, So that's been really cool. And then I think the big thorn, um, well, one is a little bit self-imposed, but I, like, in this lifestyle that we've been living, I've been, like, having some serious home office fantasies, which will be coming true very soon. Um, but that's been hard and it, and it has been hard to, um, to not like, it's been hard to not get to meet people in person. Like I've had so many amazing humans come into my life in the past year and a half who I've like never met face to face. And that as, uh, as an extrovert, that is like very high on the E scale of, um, of extrovertedness and Myers-Briggs, um, it has been hard to, um, to not get that FaceTime 
with people and to really feel like for so many of us, like our circles have gotten so much smaller. And I think that's been a blessing in a lot of ways. Like I never want to go back to being as busy as I was pre-pandemic. I think I look back at that with like awe and horror. Um, And I also, um, I also like miss like FaceTime with humans and strangers. Totally. Totally. I feel like even the more introverted of us, myself included, miss having real FaceTime with people. It's definitely something that I feel like we all took for granted prior to March 2020. Totally. And it's wild. Like I watched, I was watching a movie last week and like they, in the movie, they were like gathering strangers in a conference room and it like gave me anxiety. I was like, wait, that's a lot of people. They don't know each other. They're not wearing masks. Everyone's breathing on everyone. Oh my gosh. I know. Hopefully one day we can get back to breathing on each other in closed conference rooms. Uh, the dream. The dream. Uh-huh. Um, you mentioned in your uh, intro about you, about how you follow signs. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about how you recognize signs in your life and how you use them for decision making? Oh, absolutely. I love talking about this and I totally appreciate that this may be a little bit out there for some people. And I also will say I had a very, very skeptical client who tried it and was like, I was so skeptical and I totally saw the sign. <laughs> so I was like, take it with a grain of salt. If it's not for you, I will not take it personally. Um, but I really like this practice kind of started when I read the book Super Attractor by Gabby Bernstein. Um, I will say I like if you're not a Gabby Bernstein fan, totally get it. And I like this book more than any of her other books I found like very accessible and interesting. Um, and she talks, it's like all about like manifesting and, you know, getting what you want. But a big part of it is like, how do you look for signs? And I really, you know, again, like I'm like not a hundred percent sure on like what I believe about this, but what I have found to be true in my own life is that I, if you if I ask for a sign and I'm very very specific and I give it like a t- and I think being time bound can also be important. Um, it's really helpful guidance sometimes <laughs> from not me and not my brain. Um, so for example, uh, let's see, like which signs do I pick? So recently, um, so I'll often just ask like, okay, if I'm on the right path with what I'm doing right now. Send me, and I'm a big fan of like picking a fruit or a vegetable that like I don't have in my kitchen. <laughs> like, um, I'm not planning on going to the grocery store that day. Um, so like not too long ago, I was like, okay, if I'm on the right path, like just show me an orange. Like was not no trips to the farm, <laughs> farmers market planned. Um, I kind of put it out to the universe in the morning, um, and literally that day at lunch, I walked into my friend's new kitchen. She had just moved into a new house, and we were eating in her backyard and looked out the window and there was this orange tree that was like brimming with oranges. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I see it. And I mean, I think it's crazy. Like even just asking for it often like makes us pay attention more closely to our surroundings. Um, When I was in Bali pre-pandemic, there was a guy who had invited me to come meet him in Australia for the weekend. Um, (laughs) as one does. And, (laughs) and I was not sure what to do. And I asked for a sign. I was like, okay, if I'm supposed to book this flight to Australia, like give me, I don't even remember what it was. It was some sea creature in the next 24 hours. 
And then I cruised around the island that I was on. I swear, I saw every other sea creature. I did not see the one <laughs> that I had asked for as the sign. So I was like, okay, <laughs> there's my answer. And I declined. And I think it was 100% the right choice. Um, I would so- agree. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I mean, and like, there's different versions of this, right? So I actually asked for a specific sign uh, when I met the right person. I asked for raspberries, again, keeping with the fruit theme. And uh, I was on, I don't know, probably like date like seven or so um, with my current partner. And we were watching the movie Chef. And there was like a full screenshot of just like raspberries on the screen. <laughs> I was like, wow. what is happening? Um, so I don't know. Again, it's kind of out there, but I do feel like it can be helpful, especially if you have a specific question. Um, and I know these are sometimes like more general examples that I've given, but if you're like, okay, if I'm supposed to like book the flight or if I'm supposed to say yes to the project, show me this thing in the next 24 hours. Um, and then just see what happens. You can pick a number, you can pick whatever. Um, and it's kind of wild. Like I know a number of women who have employed this, um, in their lives and had people like they pick a butterfly if like, you know, they're supposed to do X, Y, Z and had a friend just randomly text them a picture of a butterfly and be like, I felt like I was supposed to send you this. So uh, yeah, it's been it's been interesting to follow, and um, I feel like as as soon as I started kind of like asking for these signs and kind of opening myself up to them, it's been really fun and helping me feel like there's just like magic in day to day life. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a little less woo woo than you are, but I feel like a daily dose of magic is probably just what we all need right about now. A lot of your coaching work seems to focus on personal branding. Could you um, talk a little bit about why you think personal branding is so important? Of course. Yeah, this is something I'm super passionate about because pretty early in my career, I realized that the person who talks about the program or the project it's often the person who everyone assumes did the program or the project, even when it's not true. <laughs> um, like, especially in the corporate world, I feel like you're often getting like promoted and getting opportunities based on like how much people like think you did a thing, whether you've actually done the thing or not. I wish that the world was different. And I also have found that often that's the case. Um, and I've done comms and marketing work for some like very, very, very well-known brands. Um, And there's, like, really a formula that you use a lot of times to really, like, define a brand, right? Like, companies have, like, mission statements and vision statements and values and, like, brand pillars. And, like, they go through all this work and they pay agencies, like, a ton of money to help them, like, get to this, like, core of who they are. Um, And I had done, again, done this work for companies. I had never done it for myself. And I had always, up until starting this business, really just shown up in person and online as like an extension of my employer. And um, when I started my company, um, I wasn't like an extension anymore. <laughs> like, like I, I very much believe like I'm not my business, but to the outside person, I 100% am my business. And so I needed to, for my business and myself, go through the process of defining some of this stuff. And so I took a lot of like the exercises that I've done for companies, other companies, and kind of like 
poured that through the lens of like, okay, well, what would it be like to do this like just for me? Um, and as I've done it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so helpful. Like it's really helpful in helping me know, like if I do want to post something online, knowing like what are like the lanes that make sense that are like reinforcing of my quote unquote brand. I think a lot of times people hear like think of personal branding and they also think it's like putting yourself in a box or being fake. And I'm like not about that approach at all. I think it's actually really like helping you expand um, and identifying like what you're about and like just like anything that you share because you're sharing it, it's on brand. Like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, like you love oranges, but like that's not in your brand pillar. So don't share your love for oranges. But I think the question I would ask is like, wait, are you a total foodie? And like, is that the kind of like content that you want to be putting out into the world? Um, Again, like I just found that for myself, really like going through some of these exercises of defining my North Star, my vision, um, my brand pillars was really helpful in giving me confidence to share more, to like say yes to speakership invites, to say yes to interview invites, um, and just really... uh, you know, feel like, again, feel more confident. And so I was like, well, I wonder if this is true for other people. Like, I I wish I hadn't waited until I had my own business to do some of this work. And so it's been really fun working with a lot of my clients, some of whom are job searching, but many of whom are not job searching at all, who love their current roles, but who also want to be seen as more than their current job title. Um, And personal branding can really help, I think, articulate who you are, like inclusive of your job, but beyond your job in a way that's going to set you up for way more opportunity in the future. Again, whether that is like being invited to be interviewed or being invited to speak on a panel or, um, you know, even just like to have people like know who you are and what you're about. Like, I think it's a really cool way to take ownership of that narrative um, and tell people who you are and what you're about. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. One of the one of the things that I've seen shift in you recently is this mindset of I have to work hard and this needs to be a struggle to more of a this could be easy and fun. Um, Let me like lean into this in a more gentle way. How did you shift your mindset in that way? Such a good question. I love talking about this. Um, so I will start with the story. So the how I got the like, what if it's easy, which is one of my favorite questions. Uh, how I got this question is um, if anyone's familiar, I don't know, Taylor, if you're familiar with Byron Katie uh, and her work um, with the four questions. Mm-hmm. I've heard of her. Okay, so she has a series of questions that, like, if you're thinking a thought that's, like, not helpful to you, it's, like, how uh, ways to reframe the thought. And I feel like I'm not going to get them 100% accurate, so I would definitely encourage you, her, Byron Katie, the work. Um, but the gist of it is, like, do I know that this is true? Like, do I – that's the question one. Like, do I absolutely know for a fact that this is true? <laughs> question two. Um and then, like, like, what's the opposite of this thought that I'm thinking? Um, so to just get really clear on, like, what would be the opposite? And, then like, really, like, how – the last question is, like, how do you know that the opposite is not true? 
Um, and again, those are not the exact questions, but this is like the questions in my head. And so I was walking back from yoga. I was like feeling disenchanted from yet another, I think, underwhelming internet date uh, <laughs> or some sort of like romantic <laughs> experience. And I was thinking to myself, I remember like it was yesterday, I was on Fillmore, sunny, holding my yoga mat. Like, why is this so hard? Like, why is it so hard to meet the right person? And I was like, well, hold on a second. I'm going to like four questions this. And it, it was like, well, what if it's easy? Like, what if like that was my opposite thought? Um, like, what if it's actually not hard? What if it's easy? What if it's the easiest thing ever and I'm making it hard? And that really gave me pause. <laughs> it gave me a lot to think about. Um, but I also, it also applies to so many other things. And I think, um, you know, for so many of us who've been successful in like a patriarchal or corporate world or both, um, we have this idea of like, and like our Protestant work ethic, like I'm not Protestant, um, but I feel like in this country, this idea of like hard work and you like have to hustle for what you deserve. And like, like, I don't know, just like this holding up of hard work as like the be all end all. And don't get me wrong. I am like no stranger to hard work. Um, but I also find um, for me and for many of the women that I work with that like, then we come into like entrepreneurship and it's, it can be impossible to turn it off. Right. And I think we have this idea that like, if we aren't like, like I know for me in the early days, it was just like, I remember having this conversation with many people of like, I don't want to leave anything on the table. Like, I don't want this to not work because I didn't work hard enough. And I do think that that inherently you know, I, I think it comes from, again, conditioning. And I think it also comes from, like, a fear of, like, not being enough, like, on our own. It, I mean, there's so many fears that are, like, caught up in that idea. Um, but I also realized at the beginning of 2021, after being, like, almost a year into this, that, like, I could not continue at the pace that I was running. Like, it would not be sustainable at all. And I really do genuinely want to do this for the long haul. And so I kind of brought this idea of like, well, what if it's easy? Like, how do I turn off this hustle mentality and really like step more into like receiving and flow and trusting? How do I like tune into my own intuition? How do I like ask for, like, just ask for clients, like, you know, to the universe, ask for signs that I'm like doing the right thing. Um, and I will say it's been wild because I, the more I do it, like the the more when I say do it, the more that I allow and receive, and instead of trying to like push, push, push for things, the more I'm just like, I just trust that this is going to show up. It like it does, <laughs> and so then I think it's like once you create that space, which is terrifying to create if you haven't done this before, but then you see it work, then it really starts to build momentum. Like, and I definitely have had, like, I can think of so many different like days and moments in the past, like really since I'd say like May or so of like me being like, you know what, I'm going to have a pool day on Friday and I will take like one call with a possible client and then it's a yes. And I'm like, cool. And that was my work for the day. And I'm going to the pool. Or like, I feel like I spent a lot of June and July, like laying on the beach. And honestly, they were like two of the best months I've had in my business. Um, and it wasn't because I was like, you know, grinding around the clock um, on this, that or the other thing. It was because I've done the work. I trusted that I've done the work. I showed up, I did my part. And then I like let it show up and I didn't try to muscle my way through. Um, 
so it's been really fun. And I, I think honestly, like the, the first step in, in like embodying this more really is creating the space, like to let it, like to let it happen. Right. Like it's, it's like releasing the control, which I think can be so hard for us. But if you don't like, if you aren't willing to like put down the control for a minute, like I think that it's hard for like the magic and the miracles to find you. Totally. It's just a, like a pretty substantial perspective shift. Right. And I feel like it's about focusing on quality rather than quantity. Um, I feel like it's so American to focus on quantity and the number of hours worked and the, you know, quote unquote effort that's put into something rather than like really focusing on doing one or two things really well. Totally, totally. And I mean, I think that's something that was really hard for me and that I also watch be challenging for other entrepreneurs is this Mm -hmm. focusing on just one thing at a time and being like ruthless. If like, if it doesn't all map to the one thing, then you are not doing it. (laughs) Yep, totally. What are the most exciting things you're seeing in the CSR impact space right now? Um, Honestly, I think the most exciting thing is watching hiring in this space like explode. Um, It is wild having again, having like worked in the job market, like trying to help people find jobs last year compared to this year, like it's like night and day. Like it feels like everyone just like woke up. And this is a thing that those of us who've been in this space for the past decade plus have been like waiting for. Like this is the moment that we've all been waiting for. And now it's like crazy because it's like also been so fun to watch people get like double promotions. People go from like manager to director, senior manager to senior director, senior manager to VP. Like it's like amazing to watch like women that I know and like have worked with, like just get these huge opportunities to level up in their careers because companies are finally valuing um, this skill set and realizing that they like really need to get it together to be a part of the solution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. Uh, I'm excited about things to be optimistic for in our current climate. Totally. Totally. It's hard. Like, I feel like it can be hard to find the bright spots, but like watching this shift, I think is, it feels very much like a bright spot to me. And there's so much work that needs to be done. And I also feel like there's like some very valid criticisms of like corporate social responsibility. Like it's clearly not on companies alone to fix a lot of these mm-hmm. problems. Um, but it feels like momentum in the right direction. That's amazing. Um, I have a few like rapid fire, fun, personal questions to ask you if you are down for those. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Okay. So what is your favorite color? Um, probably either pink or like a rainforest jungle green. (laughs) aka your personal branding colors (laughs) yeah (laughs) um what's your favorite season Mm, summer Mm -hmm. close toss up with fall yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) what's your favorite book that you've read recently because I know you know we you and I are both big readers so it might be hard to pick one all-time favorite book but what's one book that stands out recently um, oh, that is a hard one. Uh, I think um, fiction I read Call Baby recently. That was a trip. It was a great read. Um, I also 
really enjoyed uh, Rachel Rogers' new book, We Should All Be Millionaires. Mm, sounds interesting. I'll have to check that one out. What's your favorite meal or food? Mm, soup. I think that you can tell how good of a chef someone is based on the quality of their soup. Mm, I love soup. <laughs> um, what is your favorite TV show or movie? Just given that now TV shows are basically movies. Oh my gosh. Well, my favorite show, like I think almost ever probably is there's only one season of it. And I'm so mad about that. That Good Girls Revolt on Amazon Prime is mm. like everything. It's so awesome. <laughs> that sounds very on brand, just the title alone. <laughs> <laughs> Down with the patriarchy. Um, what is your spirit animal? A butterfly. Mm-hmm. How would you describe yourself in three words or emojis? Uh, I ask people this question and I find it so hard to answer. I think um, fun, moxie, (laughs) (laughs) and probably the sparkles emoji. Mm, I like that. Those are all fun. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Um, Cool. Well, I think one of my last questions for you would be, what are you most looking forward to right now? Personal, personally, professionally, more globally? Ah, uh, such a great question. I mean, honestly, I'm so excited for this podcast to be out in the world. We're recording this like just before the official launch. And I am just like so excited to share the stories of so many amazing women uh, with all of you. Um, I'm also super excited for the girls club, my five month mastermind, which is officially the doors, um, the doors are open and we kick off in October and there's going to be a retreat in Guerneville outside for like amazing women and impact. And the people who have said yes so far, are, like totally awesome. Um, so I'm really, really excited for that. It sounds amazing. And where can people find you online or where can people find just generally more information about you? Great question. So obviously if you're here, you probably have found me somehow. Um, I'd say you can also find me on Instagram at Liz, L-A-S dot best. You can find me on LinkedIn by that same name, Liz Best. Uh, my website is Elizabeth with an S best.com. Um, and there's all kinds of good stuff there. Um, Yeah, I think those are probably the best spots to find me and to keep in touch. Amazing. Thank you so much, Liz. This has been really fun. Oh my gosh, it's been so fun. Thank you so much for interviewing me, Taylor. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. Please rate and review the Women Changing the World podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe for future episodes. You can find me on Instagram at LizLAS.best, B-E-S-T, or by searching my name on LinkedIn. You can also sign up for my three-day personal branding challenge, which is totally free, by visiting my website, which is Elizabeth with an S, E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H, best, B-E-S-T, dot com slash personal branding challenge. See you in the next episode.